Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94 between Highway 164 and Highway F in Ridgeview Corporate Park. And I just want to invite everybody to come in and see our new location. We've got 42 acres of beautiful scenery and trees and walking paths, and we'd love to invite you to come in and just stop in and say hi. We're also in the village of Wiper Bay. We're in the Equitable Bank building directly across from Winkies. Everyone knows where that is. We also are really happy that we can service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details and to put a voice with a face. And today we have a really great, interesting um, Money Sense radio show. And it's something that's a little bit different than I've ever done before, but I'm a grandparent and so many of my clients are grandparents. And one of the things that we always talk about is how can we become better involved with our grandchildren? And I'm always one as an owner of a company, I always feel that we need to to lead and to do things for our our grandchildren and for our children so they can see us modeling things. And I happened to come across um, an article about Jim McGrath and he is what they call a serial inventor. He has come up with so many great different options uh, in his life and different things that he's invented, but he's been one of the founders of leap pad. Wasn't it Jim? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I invented the leapfrog leap pad that some of your listeners may may be familiar with. Well, I absolutely, that was something that I gave my granddaughter, who's three, for Christmas this year. <laughs> ah, and, okay. And, but I never realized that I could be interacting with her on this thing. So my guest today is Jim Margraff. He is, as I said, an inventor. He has been named the father of the year, and he's going to tell us about how he got involved in education, and it's something that I've been really looking at recently myself. So Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Karen. It's great to be here with you. You know, it's it's such a wonderful idea to do a show and to have this opportunity to help my listeners understand how they can be more involved with their grandchildren. And so often when I'm sitting down and I'm talking to them, it always comes up, well, I've got one son with two kids here and I've got a daughter who's got two kids there and I get to see my grandchildren so infrequently and we miss them and yet i've never even thought to recommend that they could become engaged with them over the phone and not have to worry about just flying there and seeing them or the fact that they use some of the new things the technology on their phones where they could do facetime and zooms but education has never come up as an option so i love the idea well, thank, thanks very much. Shall I, shall I back it up and, 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 and tell you how this came to be? Yes. Oh, I'd love to know. Okay, great. So I, uh, well, my, my children, I have two children now who are 28 and 30. And as you mentioned, my background as a serial entrepreneur began at MIT, um, undergrad and grad work in computer science and electrical engineering. 
I, I, I was a co-founder of a telecommunications company back in the 80s that grew to be very successful. Cisco bought it. And, and I said, I want to do something different. And, and so uh, I traveled a fair amount and realized that U.S. adults don't know geography of all things, just geography. So I said, hey, is there a way to address this problem as a leader in, the, in this world, in our, in our nation? So came up with a way of my roommate to make a flat or three-dimensional surface, touch responsive, with high resolution at a low cost. What that means is we took a sphere, sprayed some paint on the inside of it, and, and put it on a base with some electronics and a stylus, and you could touch the surface of this 12-inch sphere, and it would talk to you. So we made a talking globe. And when we did this, kids and adults were fascinated with it. They learned tens of thousands of facts about this world, but more so, my children loved it. They, they touched Russia and moved their arms and danced the music. <laughs> but I was watching them, they were two and four, was watching them learn to read. And I noticed as they looked at the page and I'd move my finger along under words, they'd look at these little black marks and they'd puzzle. And I'd try to explain, oh, that's, that has a name and it makes a sound, you put them together. But you know, it was, it was a bit abstract. And I thought if we could give them direct access to this so they could they could directly control some means of interacting with what they saw on plain paper on paper books, then we'd have something powerful. So I took the technology from the globe, flattened it out, put paper books on it, met with the financier whose name you may know, Mike Milken, and uh, and also Mike Wood, who had founded Leapfrog at the time. And they were his company was about a dozen people, as was mine, Explore Technologies. So got together and said, Mike. I think we can create a platform to change the way kids learn to read and propose this idea of what, what became the leap pad. So I sold my company, merged in and created this tool. So this is back 25 years ago. So the first leap pad was a device that was a plastic book. It looked like a book. You'd open it up and you'd put paper books in it and you'd take the stylus and you'd touch the images on the paper or touch the words and it would talk to you. Now, by itself, that sounds okay, but the key here was figuring out how to engage children emotionally and cognitively, give them a sense of mastery and control, and base this upon effective pedagogy so we knew what we were teaching, and we had a scope and sequence which defines what you teach and when for a child from three years on up. So we got the best literacy uh, researchers and teachers in the country from Berkeley and around the, around the country. I built an educational advisory board, and we built this tool. And the leap pad at that time, within five years, we had this device in 77% of households in the US with kids from four to seven years of age. We sold a billion dollars worth of what I called paper-based multimedia content. And, and we helped kids learn to read in a, in a whole new way, helped roughly 100 million kids in five years globally. So it was, it was just, it was an amazing uh, first endeavor journey and my children were involved. And if anyone listening still has an original leap pad, if you turn it on now, you'll recognize its voice. And uh, <laughs> my son's voice as well, he was Tad, one of the three frogs and it was leapfrog and we took it forward. And so that was the original foundation of, of what grew into uh, ultimately leapfrog on the business side, went public in 2002. Within 18 months, the company was valued at, uh, at over $2 billion. And more than 50% of it was from paper-based multimedia that, that I had created. That's amazing. You know, I look at what's happened with the pandemic and everything you read about schools now is that children are so far behind on their reading. And I know myself, I've just recently um, started a nonprofit called Connect, Nourish, and Grow to help parents engage with the school and engage with their uh, children's teachers 
And one of the things that we have discovered in, in this, what I'm doing, is that so many of the parents would like to help their children at home and with homework, but they don't feel that they can or they don't know how to do it. This seems like a process, what you've developed and what you've uh, put out there. Is it something that people can still use now? Or what do you see with yeah. the educational system? I mean, I'm just with... I was humbled by how much I didn't know about well, what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've, you've opened up a couple of avenues. So let me choose <laughs> one and I'll go down one and then I'll back up and go down one. Um, on the educational system today, we, we, have, a, we have a literacy crisis. Um, we've had literacy issues in this country for many years, haven't solved it, but post COVID now it's worse and uh, it's just exacerbated. Right now on the order of 70% of kids entering kindergarten are not ready for, for school. And that means they haven't had the knowledge, exposure, learning, as well as the social exposure and the personal development. So that's a problem. And you may know on the literacy front, you, some, some stats, but 70% of incarcerated adults in the United States have a reading level lower than fourth grade. And the reason this is important is because fourth grade is the break point. If, if I were to, I'm gonna go down reading for a second here. If, if I were to ask you, if Karen, when does, reading be, when does reading begin for a child? I would say, when they're in your womb. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Many, I mean, so good. I've heard that. I've heard it, that. It is, there's research coming out showing children's responsiveness to sound they hear in, in utero. But, but what I'd say is certainly when that child is born, the best thing you can do is begin reading to that child. If you read to your child when they're born, um, by the time they're three, you stand a much better chance at, 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 at addressing the gap. There was a study done 20 years ago that's still relevant and it showed the gap between higher and lower SES households, um, socioeconomic status households. And it showed a million word gap between deficit, between, between kids um, that were higher and lower SES. That's the number of words they're exposed to in these first three years because the parents speak to them more and read to them more. Now, the other thing that happens when you read aloud to a young child, they're not just hearing words. What they're hearing is cadence and prosody in a sentence. They're hearing language that is spoken that is spoken after being read, and written sentences are different than oral language. They're hearing more advanced vocabulary than might be used around the house, or different vocabulary. They're getting picture word association. You're developing their brain to be responsive to critical thinking and ultimately to the foundations of reading. So all that happens when you're sitting there reading to your six-month-old and you're pointing at pictures saying, ooh, Winnie looks happy. Is he a bear? Is his name Pooh? And you talk to them about what it is you're reading. They, they see you pointing, they hear your voice, they develop an understanding. So, so much things happen with reading aloud. And now we understand with brain science, why this is so important for the future. And money is flowing here as well. And there, there's legislation being passed around the country. There's more funds as well from the CARES Act that are going here. So we have a chance. And, and now I'll speak a little later, kick that back about what we're doing today, because 25 year, years later, I'm now bringing new technology to what I did 25 years ago to, to solve this problem based upon brain research in a completely new way. And that'll be something we'll be launching later this year. But the roots of that go back to the grandparent-grandchild connection. So coming full circle. So what, what happened here is, is after I'd started um, um, seven companies, the six companies, and the last one I sold to Google in 2016 for wearable eye tracking, but others along the way helped for communication, productivity, um, and, uh, and learning and thinking. 
So, so decided to start this new company, Canoe, K-I-N-O-O, and started it. Um, and the intent was to connect older and younger loved ones um, with, 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 to address a need that a grandparent has to solve one very specific problem. Grandparent, remote grandparent gets on a call or a FaceTime or a Zoom with a young grandchild who's four and say you've got your grandchild, or three, your case, you're on your call with your grandchild and say, hi, Johnny, how are you? Good. What are you up to? Nothing. <laughs> and Johnny runs off and mom chases after with the phone and the grandparent feels bad. They feel, what could I have asked him differently? He's not interested in me. How do I keep him engaged? And, and the whole thing happens day to day after day with hundreds of thousands of kids around the country. And so we said, how do we solve this problem? So back to your opening question. And, and here's, it starts this way. There's three things you want to do as a grandparent with a grandchild to, to support and develop a relationship. And the three E's, if you will. The first one is you need to engage them. So physically or virtually, whether you're in person or you're virtual, you have to engage them. That means start out, grab their attention, and then get them to participate in thinking and doing something you're doing, okay? So, so I'll come, I'll explain ways to do that. The second is you have to expand their thinking beyond what's right in front of them because they're in the moment. You need to expand the beyond that moment and get them to be able to and interested in participating in something beyond that moment. And then the third one is to explore, be able to explore new areas with them and find common interests. And this is all possible with kids even as young as three or four. It's an issue of how you approach that with them. In this case, we'll focus first during a video call. So you know, we ask you, what do, how do you do? How do you approach your time with your, your, your three-year-old grandchild? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump up real quick here and say, let's take a quick break. Okay. And when we come back, let's take a look at that and some of the other recommendations that you have for my listeners. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Jim McGrath, and we have been talking about how grandparents, and I think parents too, can learn so much from this, aunts and uncles, as we interact with our children, our grandchildren, to help them to really be able to be resilient in the world the way it is today. Because as Jim and I discussed earlier, education is really a struggle. And I have, I've said, many times on the on the radio show that I'm humbled by what I'm learning and how difficult it is for parents actually to engage with their children and the fear around it because of technology and because of so many other things. And someone once told me that your kids are only as not smart, but they're only as receptive in school as the parents are, because the parents kind of instill that idea that school is great and you can learn and there's so much, rather than thinking of it just as a place where the kids go for the day, kind of almost a daycare. So I think the things, I know the things that we're talking about today can have a great impact on so many people. And before the break, Jim, you asked me, what do I do with my granddaughter? My great granddaughter, actually, who is just turning four, and she's just, I always say a piece of work because she loves everything. So we read, we cook, we go outside. She's um, fascinated with everything. 
But if I had to say, here I am a grandparent and I have much more time than I did raising my own kids, I probably interact with her more than I maybe even interact with my own children as starting a business and doing the types of things I did and even maybe my grandchildren. Understood, understood. Well, I'm so glad to hear that, Karen, because it sounds like um, you've got a good relationship. Now, when you do these things, you read, you cook, you go outdoors, some of those you do in person. Yes. So the question we started with today is, what do you do when you're remote? You're the long distance from your grandchild. And, well, and yes. You know, I run into the same thing that you were talking about. Uh, um, Jazzy will get on the phone and we'll talk for a few minutes and then she passes the phone to her mother. <laughs> yep, that's it. That's the problem. So, <laughs> so, so how, the first step is how do you engage them? And, and here's some things, I'll start out with some things you might do if without canoe and then i explain so canoe is 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 a is a video chat application that is that is enhanced with a character that comes into the video chat when you're connected it's an ios app for free you can download it put it on your iphone or your ipad both both your grandparent grandchild or the, the parent from of the child and the remote loved one we call an older loved one and a younger loved one so you <laughs> both get the app free download it it's built-in video chat and first thing is there's a character that pops up called Cody and Cody greets both people. And that's a stepping stone because that already engages a, a young child. They see this cartoon character in the middle of a video chat with you and there's the character. So that's fun. And it eases the, the, the stress for the grandparent because it's, it's kind of, it's not as serious. It's there's somebody there that holds your hand. The next thing we did is we created play different types of games, but there are other, other apps that have just put ordinary games into a video chat. So you could put checkers, you can put tic-tac-toe, but what happens then is the child just plays the game. It doesn't matter that you're there. They're just playing the game and they're focused on it. Some have video games and more. And the grandparent sees the top of the child's head as they look at the, <laughs> you know, the game. So that's not very, it's not satisfying. And you put books there, but a book done that way where the grandparent turns the pages and they just hear the voice coming out from the grandparents is not very engaging for the child. So we said, we need to put, create bespoke games that are designed for bonding, collaboration, and relationship development, so true connection. So we designed games to do that. And, uh, and I'll explain some in a second. So first thing was a character. Second thing were these games that are built around connecting. And the third thing was to offer private prompts. These are text messages or voice that appear on privately on either screen, your screen or your grandchild's screen. If they're not reading yet, it'll be voice. But for you, it could be a text you read that are in the context of what you're doing. So here's some examples. One of our one of our activities is is an activity to um, um, to decorate a cake. Now it sounds pretty simple, but boys and girls both love it because there's this big three layered white cake on the screen, and there's a bottom of ingredients on or toppings on the bottom. But these toppings aren't just ordinary toppings. There's some whipped cream and some frosting, and there's some sprinkles, <laughs> and bananas and strawberries. But there's also a a dinosaur. There's dinosaurs and there's trains and there's ballerinas and stars and candles. And you can move these as either one of you can put them on at the same time. So you're both filling the cake up with these items and you see, you see the items being loaded up on this cake. And, and a dinosaur comes on, he roars, the train makes choo-choo sounds, the candles have flames that are burning. And, uh, and if you feed Cody, who's on the side, the whipped cream, he gobbles it up and says, oh, I love whipped cream. So, so it's, it's a great experience. Kids play this for months. They love it because they get to then the grandparent, we offer suggestions to them. For instance, gee, do you think we could make a cake for somebody that doesn't have one and bring it to them? Or 
you know, what's your favorite topping on the cake? Or should we split this cake and you decorate the top and I take the bottom? Or should we split it into, or should we make one for mom? What does she like on her cake? So these are prompts that appear. They're suggestions for the grandparent to say to the grandchild about what they're doing. Now, many, you, many grandparents are, some grandparents are good at that. They, they know how to engage. Others, not so much. Right. So it really helps. I think it's fascinating because it's an art type of project. And the grandparent, as you say, a dinosaur, might say, well, why would we put a dinosaur on the cake? And That's right. There's to, also and, broccoli. And to get that there. response. Yeah. And then to say a dinosaur on the cake. And so, I mean, it opens up the door to have a lot of different conversations. And as you said earlier, to explore what the child is thinking. That's right. That's right. And, and it gives two things as well. A general principle is, is that I'll often offer to grandparents is it's interesting. We, we think we are the adults and we're the leaders and we're the teachers. So we tend to want to assume that role. One of the best things you can do with a young child is be sure you pick time where you let them lead and you just follow. You watch what they do. You hold your tongue. You pull back. You don't try to tell them, no, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. That's got let them go and follow their lead and lean into it. If they load the cake up with broccoli because <laughs> they don't like it, you know, say, oh, wow. Hmm. I didn't know you like broccoli. I don't. Well, hmm, I'm not sure about it. I mean, you, you roll with them and what they're, we pull yes. out what they're thinking and then you, you play with that and follow, follow the lead of the child. So that's one technique to, um, that's expanding actually. So another example we have is a rocket ride where both video, you launch the, the game, you touch it. Cody says, here we go. We're going to ride a rocket and you see yourself on a launch pad, the rocket's vertical and your heads are tilted back in the windows and you're ready to take off. And the next thing that happens is we say, oh, first we need your passports and, and, and uh, ready to take a photo. We need a silly face. And Cody makes a silly face, mimics it. And the grandparent and grandchild both make a silly face. And then we need a big smile. And then we need a big surprise. And when you do this, grandparents who otherwise can be like granddads in, in particular can be pretty serious sometimes. We've had grandmoms tell us they've seen their husband do things they hadn't seen him do in years because <laughs> we give permission to be silly. It's okay to play in this manner and people do it. And then, then they, at the end, you see you each see your own passport on your own screen. You don't see the other ones. And then you have to count down backwards and you can take turns counting down from 10 to zero for the liftoff and choose who's going to push the blast off button. Then off you go to the moon and you're flying in the moon. Stars are going by aliens hit the spacecraft. And then you get near the moon and you see this beautiful 3d image of the moon. I mean, 3d as high res image and another prompt might come up that says, what would it feel like to live on the moon? Another prompt. Do you think we'll live there as friends or will we be enemies? And now it starts to get into social discussions about what the future of, of the planet, the moon will be to us. And we know what's happening right now and we have to change this. So it begins to lay, lay, lay the framework for these children as future leaders, as thought leaders in a way that's friendly and appropriate for them in context of play with a loved one. When you're talking about uh, about the program that you have, what is the impact on the child going to be? Because literacy right now is is in such a sad state of affairs. What do you anticipate or what do you hope the impact on the child is? And you know, the grandparent, of course, we know that's going to be a sense of giving back and a sense of um, doing something really good. Yes. 
Yeah, so so I have been speaking about about the connection between the grandparent and grandchild, which is already supportive of that, that child's development. You're helping them preschool in, in a way by dialogue and by by exploration and by what we have. But here's what we learn a grandparent wants, and I'll compare it to the parent and, and tie it to literacy. The grandparent wants three things. First, they want connection with their grandchild. Number one, they're remote. They want to feel connected. They want them to be part of their life. Next, they want to have fun with them and they know that will add to the connection. And number three for them is learning. They do care about learning with a grandchild, but first they wanna be connected to them and they wanna have fun and learning is three. The parent is exactly the opposite. They want learning first for that child, make sure they're ready for school. It's my job to be sure that that child's ready for school. They have to have fun as well, they're a kid. They have to play and also they have to have fun while they're learning or they won't learn. So those two go hand in hand. And the third thing they want is they say, oh my gosh, it'd be so nice if they're really connected to grandma and grandpa, because instead of seeing them twice a year, they can be connected weekly or more. So they're flipped. So let's look at the learning piece of it. So we, we've, I know I've spoken to parents for, for, for decades. And again, I was, my kids I mentioned are 28 and 30. Parents care tremendously about making sure that child is ready for school, cognitively, emotionally, and they want to get them prepared with reading skills. And those that understand what reading means know it's not just decoding the words or sounding out letters, but it's all the, all the work that goes up, leads up to that, reading aloud to them with books. It's all about reading to kids and having them have access to books in their homes. So what we're doing to address this is we're working with organizations around the country. We're planning to launch this for a consumer market as well, a tool that will reinforce and teach and help parents become better readers and teachers in the home and tie you tied it back to the classroom before. Also, we're looking at the classroom home connection and we're doing this with a device, a handheld device that, that we've created. And this device is, is, is roughly two ounces in weight, about four inches tall, and it looks kind of like a wand with three glowing orbs on it that change colors, has a speaker in it so the child can hold this in their hand and they can point the wand at a book. It will recognize the book with a sensor on it. They can then turn to a page and the wand will read the page of the book, allow them to point at pictures, bring the pictures to life with sound effects and music and games, point at words, hear the words spoken, and even more so, tap into what we know about brain, re brain research and development, the wand becomes a tool in the child's hand that prompts them to move and play while they're learning. So for instance, a story about uh, driving a car, it prompts and you hear a your poem about driving a car and then it says, oh, it's time to drive. Can you drive too? Hold your wand up and let's pretend we're driving. Child holds their wand up and it launches into the car starts and it makes, it makes driving sounds. And they turn to the left, turn to the right, says turn more, now turn to the right. Uh oh, there's a bear in the road. Better stop and honk your horn. There's a button, they'll push the button. So now they're playing physically and they're moving. Other times they'll throw a ball with the wand. They'll pretend to paint a dune buggy. They'll sip a cup of tea. They'll brush and they'll strum and they'll sip and they'll beat drums all with the wand in the context of the stories they're reading that bring the story to life even more without a screen, no screens. That's Take fascinating. No Absolutely fascinating. My guest today is Jim 
McGrath. He is a entrepreneur. He is also someone who is very interested in the education system, has created some really cool tools to really address the issue and to help parents, to help students, to help us to address some of the issues that kids are facing about learning and making learning very exciting. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about some of the things that you've been working on because it is absolutely fascinating. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you are loving this show and would like to share it with your family or your kids and send it off to them so they can listen to it so that they can become a partner with you in helping to interact with their children, your grandchildren, and kind of set this up to get it going, I think it would be a great idea. My guest today is Jim McGrath, and he is an entrepreneur. He's an inventor. He has had very many successful businesses, and at a point in his life, he said, I think he said, there's got to be more, and saw some things that were happening in the world, particularly around education, and said, let me see if I can come up with a solution. And I think that some of the things that you put in place are really great. I know if I have some of my listeners out there, they're going, this sounds a little complicated. Um, it's again, technology, but it also seems like you've addressed a lot of the issues to simplify it. So it makes it easy and it makes it doable. And the outcome has a positive effect on both the grandchild and on the grandparent, and it relieves some of the stress that parents are feeling with the anxiety of maybe my kids, are they really getting the best education they can? Yes, yeah, it, it, the role that both parents and grandparents can play, there is there is a significant role. And I said before, the, the focus grandparents that we found from surveys, connection play learning and parents learning play connection. Grandparents are also can play a significant role in, in helping their grandkids learn. And, and one thing I can offer for that is, is all my time at LeapFrog and uh, spent lots of time looking at, at thousands of families. We did focus testing nonstop. Watched families come in and looked at, at what the parents' questions they had and how they could help their kids. And so just a few years ago, decided to write a book. Um, and uh, the book is called How to Raise a Founder with Heart. And um, I'm holding it up right now for Karen, but those are my two kids 16 oh, a while ago. My gosh, longer, 20 years, years ago. But how to raise a founder heart. And it says a guide for parents to develop your child's problem solving abilities. Now, my wife and I give any proceeds to charity on this. This is not money making, but I wrote this to share what I'd learned about, about what I'd seen with the products we make in LeapFrog and what I learned in working with our children. And there are some ideas I can offer, really quick ones that might find interesting here. One of them ties to math, is math and mental math because kids have calculators, but but there are ways to learn math. And I created this tool myself, but I'll, I'll tell you the one of the outcomes of it. My son, who's now 30, when he was in high school, we did all these things with chemistry and math and physics. and did all these experiments, and um, but he was interested. By the time he was a senior, he 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 had to do a science fair project. He did one. It got he won uh, he won a, a second place in the state of California. Was entered in the Intel Science Fair. If you know Intel, in yes. Intel, it's 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 roughly 14 million kids around the world that are laddered up, and about a thousand are selected to go to LA, and they're part of this amazing science fair. These are high school juniors and seniors. 2011, 
he ended up winning the World Science Fair. It was called the Gordon E. Moore Award. And it's kind of a Nobel Prize for high school kids. And um, he did that after he was, we, we, you know, he grew up in our household where we did things to help learn. And he was curious, natural. So here's one with math that I love. And, and, and it starts out with rhythm. Because if you want to help a, even a young child, if you want to help them learn how to sound out words, and then it moves to how to count, then it moves to how to add simple single digits and then multiply in your head one by two digits. If you create a rhythm and you develop automaticity, which is something we understand from brain science. So teaching to sound out word k, a, t for the word k, a, t, k, a, t, k, a, t, k, a, t, k, a, t. You do that with child and they're looking at the letters and they still don't know that that's the word cat because they're learning how to put those sounds together, but you increase the speed, they get it. You count with them. Instead of just saying one, two, three, you do it with rhythm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So you change the rhythm. For math, you, you start with something like six, three, nine. Then you do four, two, six. And they have to think and you develop automaticity, which gives them practice for thinking about that rather than counting. It's, it's memory. And when you're doing it with one by two digit numbers, like six times 12, you go six, 12. And then you think in your head, that's 60, that's 12, 72. So you have six, 12, 60, 12, 72, or three, three, 15, better. Three, 15, 30. Oh, I did another one. Sorry. Three, there we go. Three, twelve. Three times twelve. Three, twelve, and then three, six, thirty-six, thirty-six. So you just say them out loud, and you clap along, and it creates a rhythm. So your mind can't can't be distracted. You focus on what it is you're thinking. Nothing gets in the way. And when a child learns to do this, you're learning discipline and thought, and you're developing a tool that they will lose and begin to apply it elsewhere when they're struggling to stay focused on something you've helped them develop focus and you've applied it to specific skills so that's one of the many things in the book that, that are stories that there are things that are based upon real brain science that that i've not found elsewhere so it's some really good tools you know school is really a partnership with the parents and the teachers and when i think about some of the schools that i've been working with now it's really been hard to get that partnership together because parents are working and they've got different jobs. Getting into teachers' conferences are tough. Sometimes parents even had difficult experiences with their own personal um, teachers' conferences when they were growing up. So there's a lot of um, fear and resistance to being able to connect with the teachers and the parents. But I think a program like what you have got and what you've come up with takes some of that out of the way and allows the parent on their own time frame to interact with that child, to build that relationship, to encourage the child about school. And then when the parent is feeling that success, they're going to want to talk to the teachers. Yes, that's right. That's right. The, the, and we were talking about reading before and, and the parent going into the school to read. So the starting point here, let me reinforce again, I'll, 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 I'll drive this. If they can go and help in preschool and, and be there to help uh, support the teacher reading there, and then as well reinforce to the parents and share this idea for parents that, that are either not reading a lot to their kids at home and reinforce that and get the teacher to reinforce it. And then also help those parents and, and even work with the teacher on the type of questions you ask the child when you're reading aloud. 
I spoke with a fellow just yesterday, educated man, master's degree, business analytic, manages billions of dollars of funding of all places, a, a major um, 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 pension fund for a large state in the United States. And, and it was interesting because he reads to his child daily, but I showed him what dialogic reading is, which is a dialogue talking about what you're reading. He said, I just read. I never even thought about asking what's on the picture and talking about the characters and singing a song or playing a little game when we're doing this. I just read the story. So it was it was new to him. And my guess is some of your listeners may find that new and helpful, too. And all types of WH questions, what, where, why, when, um, open ended questions, um, reflection questions. What happened? Do you remember that? Um, um, all types of what are called prompts that really help children learn. And there's a science behind this. I was watching a teacher uh, read a book in one of the schools I was in, and it was a first grade class. And there were several things on the page that were, oh, he looks very sad. Who here ever felt that sad? What does a sad face look like? Does anyone here want to make a sad face like Joe? And she had so much dialogue on the pages when she was done reading it. And that was something that I had never seen done myself I read to the kids but I don't I never really I changed my voice sound and things like that but I never really got so animated within the story yes yes fascinating it's it's so that's the way to go and in here I'll give you I'll give you I I love to I like to teach so here's an acronym and something maybe folks will walk away with crowd c-r-o-w-d here they are c is completion questions like, hey, can you complete the sentence? And then Max sailed across the blank to reach the land where the wild things are. And that's from the book where the wild things are. So completion prompts, fill in the blank and let the child fill in the blank. That's probably new to a lot of parents. Next is recall prompts, R, recall. So can what did he use to get the boat to sail across the ocean? And then O, open-ended prompts, open-ended things like, what do you think the wild things will look like? What do you think Max will do? Then WH prompts, what, why, where, when? You know, why do you think Max wants to go this place and, and others? And the last one is D, distancing prompts. So stepping away in somebody else's shoes. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in Max's shoes? If you were in Max's position, what would you do when fill in the blank? So C-R-O-W-D, completion, recall, open-ended, WHs, and distancing prompts. And if you use that framework when you're reading to your child, you're reading a book as a grandparent or a parent, you'll have all types of ideas on things to talk to them about. It's fascinating. We're going to take a quick break. And with that, we will be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Jim McGrath, and he has been talking to us about his experiences and his desire and his commitment to really change the world, to create different types of ways that people can interact with their children, grandparents can interact. And I really want to bring up the fact that you and I both talked about it during the break. We're both worried about our world. We're worried about the kids who are going to be the leaders, that things just, first of all, I think every child has the right to be educated and has the right to be given the opportunity to be educated. But that isn't necessarily the way it is today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Karen. Um, yeah, I'm glad we had this little chat just in the break because um, what, what's driving me in this front is, is certainly education 
education is the starting point for understanding and for, for compassion and for peace. If you look at children's television today, there's something happening. It's happened since Fred Rogers um, made his great move with Mr. Rogers. And, uh, and it is that the, con the content kids are, are, are receiving on TV is largely really good for young kids. It's about building trust, respect, relationships, support, collaboration, creativity. There's some wonderful kids content. It's not what I grew up with, which was, you know, uh, Roadrunner dropping anvils on, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Wiley Coyote dropping anvils on Roadrunner. So, so it's really good content. What I see the challenge is, is that these kids will, will, will adopt this behavior. They want to help each other if they're exposed to this, even kids, you know, all, all socioeconomic levels. In fact, this is global. I talked to families in China and Russia, and there are similar principles. They want their kids to succeed in life, to have a place to live, to have a good life. And they teach them similar values. So there is a common thread here that is global. Now what happens when that child gets to be 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, something else comes in and they learn about these other nations. They learn about other people. They learn about the idea that, well, you know what? We have this thing that's called war and we have these weapons. You know what? So much as I don't like it, if we don't build them and use them or be prepared, they will. And everything changes at that point because you're told all your life, hey, don't build a bigger stick, work together, play together, support one another. And suddenly you reach a point where, you know what? We have to, or they will. So that's just the way it is. I'd like to see a generation of kids say to that, wait a second, a global generation that all has to say it together. They say, no, that doesn't make sense. Why does that have to be that way? Now, one could view this as ideological, or you know, idealism, but I would say right now we have one small planet, one shared world, and we know how small it is. We're seeing the effects with climate change and so many other things on this planet right now. We know it's not like it was. We are just this one little spot and we're looking at it from space and seeing how small it is. You know, I, I said to a friend recently, we must learn to fear mutual destruction more than we fear the enemy. And I think that, um, that what we can do with proper education is create resilience in some of these principles with the hope that these children, as they become leaders in this world, view the world differently and will embrace a new approach towards working with one another. And this can't come from the top down because we're too entrenched today. You know, would, would I trust, would we trust one another to drop all of our weapons in the world? Not a chance. But can we create a new generation that looks at the world differently and says, wait a second, we have to solve the problem because if we keep going the path we're going, the results are not going to be good. I so, think one of the big things is that I've noticed and one of the programs that we have, the Pillow with Wings program that I do is to help teach children empathy and to, you know, that's the old thing, you know, if you ever walked in somebody else's shoes, but to teach children empathy and to recognize the other people and the differences without being judgmental, I think is just a huge step in the right direction. And I don't see that happening so much because of the things that when you said they get older, they see people killing each other on TV and all these games that they have, that they sort of become hardened to the idea of what you said. Well, this is just how it is. That's right. And how do we break this cycle? The way we break the cycle is with youth because it's too late to change it in the institutions that we have in the organizations today because they need to do what they're doing because they're all caught in the cycle. And, and I'm not suggesting that, but I'm suggesting a different future with, with, with the ideas that children can bring forward with resilience and support one another and understand because the world today is very close and small, 
we can we very soon will be able to have real-time conversations with anybody anywhere we can do that already with zoom but pretty soon it'll be translated um, in in real time with speech and this is emerging now it's true and it's already some of the technologies available i sold my last company to google and we know what's happening with with ai for translation so there's no excuse all we need to do is figure out how to connect and i started canoe around connection and we started with grandparents but the bigger idea was connection with learning and play and ultimately helping people change this future of the planet that we're on. We have about a minute left. What would you like to leave my listeners with? Um, well, one I, I mentioned the quote before I said, we have to learn to fear mutual destruction more than we fear the enemy. And that's one to reflect on a bit. And that we need to help our children understand as, as, as soon as they're able. And another thing I'll say is violence is not a sustainable means of resolving conflict. It's not sustainable. So we have to look at that. Okay, lightening it up a bit. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think that what I'd like to leave you with is give your kids a hug, whether they're your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids, and, and do the three things. Um, engage with them by having fun, listen, then ex expand your discussions with them um, and topics of interest, and then explore new areas. And just enjoy the love that you can have with, with people that are close to you and, uh, and that you can give to them. So on a last note, where will people find Canoe? Where will they find some of the things that you have uh, talked about today? Do you have, we have only a couple, half a minute left. Do you have a website? Yep. How sure. can they connect up with this? Absolutely. You can go to kinu.com. And, and by the way, that's Canoe. And the reason is Canoe is K-I-N is in kinship and two O's that are side by side, which is connecting older and younger loved ones forever. There's a smile under it. So kinu.com. And there's an app on the iOS store where you can download the app as well and connect. Um, or you can, my name is Jim Margraff, M-A-R-G-G-R-A-F-F. -F, and uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. And um, so I'm always interested in hearing thoughts from people and seeing if we can, we can work together to make this, our, this planet a better place. Jim, thank you so much. It's been an absolutely fabulous interview. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend. Bye.